You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. We've been in a series called Disruption over the last few weeks. Today's the third week in our mini-series, and each week when we talk about disruption, we've asked a question, what has been the most disruptive thing in your life, at least in this last three months? And if you're a planner you have probably been frustrated. Or if you're a social person, kind of like I am, there have definitely been challenges. But let's put those things aside. Let me ask a little more poignant question. What about your walk with the Lord? What about your relationship with Jesus? Has that been disrupted in some way, positively or negatively? We've committed to do soap reading each and every day. The staff, we're going to continue to do that even once we reopen. But think about it. How has your walk with the Lord been disrupted? And with that in mind, I want to read a section of Scripture from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 9 in the message. It's a backdrop for that question about being disrupted. But then at the end, it will actually give a backdrop for our message today. This is what it says. It says, Seek God while he can be found. Pray to him while he's close at hand. Let the wicked abandon their way of life and the evil their way of thinking. Let them come back to God who is merciful. Come back to God, it says, who is lavish with forgiveness. Let me pause here for a second. If your walk with the Lord has been disrupted during this season, In a negative way, that is. Today is the day of salvation. Today is a day to come back to Him, to rededicate, to say, you know what? I've been, I've, I've messed up over this last season. Or I've, I've uh, haven't concentrated on the Lord. Today is your day to seek God. Seek Jesus while you have a chance. I promise you this, and especially if you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, that today it'll be easier for you to give your heart to Jesus than than it would be for tomorrow or next week or next year. Today is a day to come back to rededicate your life to Him. Then the verses continue in Isaiah chapter 55, and here's the backdrop for today. It says this, it says, I don't think the way you think. This is God talking at this point. I don't think the way you think, the way you work, isn't the way I work. For as the skies soar high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. The way I think is beyond the way you think. What Jesus is saying here is, I think differently than you. I think beyond the way you think, not in an irrational way, but he sees everything, the beginning to the very end. And at best, we lack understanding, don't we? There's another scripture in in the Bible that says, we look through a dim glass uh, on this side of eternity. That really sets up our big idea for today. And here it is, that God's ways are not our ways. Now, I don't know if you're watching this by yourself or if you're with a group of people. I want you, wherever you are, to say this out loud. God's ways are not our ways. Go ahead, say it. 
God's ways are not our ways. If you're with someone, turn to them and say, God's ways are not our ways. And this really is an idea that we want to drive home today. And today as we look at Mark chapter 4, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 5, we're going to look at two stories in one. Two of the most known stories in Mark's gospel. And it's kind of like they're flint and steel. You put them together and sparks fly. These are two stories of disruption. They're two stories of two miracles, kind of a miracle within a miracle. And some theologians call it a Markin sandwich in, uh, where there's bracketing on each side, where each story magnifies the other. And before we get to the story, let's not forget where we've been in this series of disruption. We've noticed that Jesus had the power over nature when nature was disrupted. He had the power over demons last week uh, when the the demoniac uh, uh, got rid of the the demons and they went into the pigs. And today he has the power, we're going to see, over disease and even death. And so let's get into Mark's gospel here. Let's, with the idea that God's ways are not our ways. Earlier this week, I caught up with one of our board members, Joe Lalone, and I asked him to read today's message or today's uh, passage. And so without further ado, I'm going to send it to Joe. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. Mark 5, 21 through Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side. A great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years suffered much under many physicians, and spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd, and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James, and John the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. 
Thanks, Joe. I appreciate you reading that. And may God add value to his word today as it's been read. Today, the big takeaway is God's ways are not our ways. And as we read the story, as we start looking and dig into it, we're going to look at three different angles, three different ways we're going to see that God's ways are not our ways in regards to his timing, in regards to his portion, and in regards to his love for us. So let's begin to unpack this. The first is in regards to God's timing. God's ways are not our ways in regards to his timing. In this particular point, in this season that where we have had so many disruptions and things have changed, and uh, this certainly will have lots of application for you and for each of us in the story. But in our story in Mark chapter 5 here, there were two people in the story ready to meet Jesus. And let's just remember, Jesus was on the other side. He cast out the demons and they said, uh, they went into the pigs, the pigs ran off and the people there saying, no, get out of here. And Jesus isn't going to stay where he's not welcome. So he gets back. He's heading back across the sea. He gets on shore. He's heading to his hometown, Capernaum. And uh, in the first person he meets is Jairus, right? And he's the first one to approach Jesus. And then shortly after that, there's an unnamed woman who is next. And let's just look at these two characters for a moment. These two could not be more different. Let's look at Jairus first. Jairus was a Jewish leader from the synagogue. He was well-respected, an outstanding man. He was wealthy and uh, most, he was uh, a person of influence, and certainly because of his position within the temple and within the church, he was a devoted man to God. He was devoted to God, but that really didn't matter. And he came to Jesus by faith out of desperation, which I love, for his daughter who was 12 years old. Despite huge embarrassment, walking away from his own people, from his own tribe, so to speak, this would not have been easy. He was supposed to be opposing Jesus at that point in his life. But he decided he would rather lose his friends than to, and to save his daughter. He may have been thinking, well, why worry about religious controversy and political danger when my daughter is dying? And so that's Jairus. The other side is this woman. There's this woman who is lonely. She had an issue with blood, so she's deemed unclean. It's an incurable disease. Uh, the pain and the emotional pressure would have sapped her strength, let alone the loss of blood over the years. For 12 years, she's in this situation. And because of her issue, she could not go out into public without being shamed or embarrassed. She had uh, sought after advice from the best doctors with no help. She was desperate and would try just about anything. Her sickness ruined her health, took her wealth, and consumed her family, consumed her, her life. She really became a beggar and was in desperate need of a miracle. And it was getting worse and worse. It restricted her ceremonially, so spiritually it was affecting her, and socially, even within her family, even within her husband, uh, certainly there was issues there. And for 12 years, the sickness would not stop. And again, just like Jairus, she laid aside every excuse and came to Jesus by faith, despite huge embarrassment. 
Both of them found what they needed at the feet of Jesus. But what I want to look at is the timing of both of these stories. And for Jairus, let's look at him first. He was the first to approach Jesus. And, uh, and he didn't want to take any chances. He was ready when Jesus was stepping off the boat. He's, he's immediately there. But then in his story, there's a huge delay, a huge interruption. And I just can imagine Jairus in his mind, he's thinking, Jesus, well, let's get going. You're going to miss it. My daughter's need is more pressing than this unknown woman. It's not, she doesn't even have a name in, in this story. And then to make things even worse, while Jesus is attending to this woman, which we'll see her timing issue in just a second, Jairus is informed that now his daughter is dead. I know it says in the scripture that she's asleep, but you can look at that and study in different passages to be asleep in, in that culture meant to, that she was out. She was dead. Uh, and at that point, there, was, there had been no one raised from the dead in Jesus' ministry. No one expected Jesus and his power to extend even to the dead. Uh, he had healed the sick and cast out demons, but Jairus must have thought at this point, we missed it. My, I miss my timing. It's over. And I've got a question for you, and I've asked myself this week, have you ever had a delay in your life? Then you thought that you missed your opportunity. Maybe in regards to a job situation, maybe you were looked over for an advancement, for a promotion of some sort, or maybe with your friends, you've missed an opportunity. You say, man, if, if we could have just spent more time together, or if, I, if this didn't happen or that didn't happen... Well, Jarius certainly in this story must have thought he missed the right timing. Well, what about the woman? What about her timing? 12 years of suffering. <laughs> Ask any 12-year-old how long 12 years is, and it's like a lifetime. Let me, get, let me just tell you. The wear and tear on emotions and physically and spiritually. And in that day, besides leprosy, this was as bad as it could get for a woman. And she presses through the crowd in our story where she was not even supposed to be, by the way. And what happens in regards to timing? It says immediately she is healed. Power left Jesus and immediately she knew that she was whole. Just a quick side note on this. Uh, we know that Jesus was fully God, fully man. And here's a picture some commentators believe that we see God as fully God, that when, she was, when he was touched, power left him. So his deity was at work. But at the same point, he didn't know who touched him. Humanity. Fully God, fully man. And he's like, hey, who touched me? And uh, it's an interesting side note. But in regards to the timing of these miracles, right, it seems that these were flip-flopped, that they were reversed. The most pressing need, the 12-year-old girl who was about to die, seemed to be put on the back burner while Jesus takes his time with an unknown woman who had an issue for 12 years. What would another 12 minutes or another 12 hours make a difference? Well, the point is... And what we're trying to drive home today is that God's ways are not our ways in regards to his timing. Have you ever questioned God's time and his timing in your life? Maybe you're questioning God's timing in this season. Maybe you're saying enough is enough. And in this season, you've missed something or due to the restrictions, you've, you feel like you've been shortchanged in regards to an opportunity. 
Well, when it comes to God's timing, I just believe Jesus would say today, look, I am not in a hurry. And the reason I'm not in a hurry is because I love you. I believe that's a word from the Lord for someone today. I will not be in a hurry because I love you. And I just want you to know, God's delays are not meaningless. That's huge. But the second thing that we see is God's ways are not our ways, not only in his timing, but in regards to his portion as well. And in regards to what we see in the story, uh, what they each of these characters get from the Lord, let's look at Jairus first. What does he want? He wants his daughter to be healed. And he went to great lengths to do that. He crossed the, crossed the train track, so to speak, to do that. He left what was comfortable and pursued Jesus, even at great cost to him. But what does he get instead? Not only does he get his daughter's healing, but he also gets a resurrection, which is crazy. This, this was not on anybody's mind that it was even possible. So he gets more. How about for the woman? What does she want? She wants to be healed as well, right? What does she get instead? She gets her healing, yes, but she also gets Jesus' time. Verse 33, it says that she, she tells Jesus the whole story. And I don't know about you, uh, but you know, when it says the whole story, and we're talking about a woman here, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that that probably took a, a little bit of time. And so he, he, she gets the, her healing. She gets Jesus' time. But ultimately, she gets peace. She gets salvation. She turns her heart to the Lord. And in both cases, what I want you to see in regards to portion, Jesus gives more than what was asked for. It's like the verse, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, which says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us. I love that verse. And in both cases, Jesus gives more than what was asked for. And again, Jesus' delay is not a result of less for Jairus and his daughter or for the woman. In fact, when you look at this story, we understand, we begin to understand that God's grace is different from the world's view or what you might pick or what I might pick, uh, how to, to uh, work or how to deal with uh, different types of people. Let's stack the details here side by side. We got a 12-year-old against a woman unnamed who has a 12 year old or 12 years of suffering. We got Jairus who is a man, we've got a woman who is unclean. We have Jairus who is at the top of society and this woman who is at the low of the low. We have Jairus who sought at, who would, would have been sought after and a woman who's an outcast. Again, Jairus could lead worship where a woman, she couldn't even worship properly at the temple. She wasn't allowed. We have Jairus, who was wealthy, and a woman who was poor. And so the, they, they couldn't be any different. But Jesus, in his portion, and what he gives to them, is he's exceedingly good in both cases. His portion is above and beyond. It reminds me of the truth from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13, that says that we are uh, the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. And the idea here is that God's portion is great. God's portion is great. And I don't know if, if I've shared this publicly, 
for everyone. I've been sharing it certainly behind the scenes, but in this season, I've been delivering pizzas uh, to help kind of dig out of a hole that we found ourselves in financially, not due to Corona at all, uh, but just some, some things in our personal family. And I've been delivering pizzas. And it's interesting, when you deliver pizza, you live on the tips that people give. And it's interesting that the way it works, at least where I've been working, is that uh, you get a ticket or a receipt a credit card receipt, and oftentimes on that receipt, someone will say, yes, I want to give a $2 tip or a $3 tip or a $5 tip or a 10 or 12 And when you see those, and there's several different deliveries ready to go, then someone tells you which one you're supposed to take. It, it's really disheartening when you get a tip that has, or a ticket that has no tip or maybe one or two dollars instead of a ticket that has a ten dollar tip or a twelve dollar tip and you think, man, I'm getting the raw end of the deal here, right? But I want you to know that what's been great for me is to see how God's portion is always great. At the end of the night, it doesn't matter which deliveries I've taken. God has blessed us. In fact, as of last night, we are $35 away from having our reserves back to where they were, where we want them to be. And, uh, and I just thank the Lord for that. And you might be thinking that you're getting the raw end of some sort of deal, right? You, you've got the ticket with the no tip or the ticket with a, a dollar or two. But do not forget You are God's child, just like I am. We serve a God of abundance, and he's going to take care of us, and his portion is always good. So God's ways are not always our ways in regards to his timing and also his portion. But there's a third way in regards to his love. God's ways are not our ways in regards to his love. There's a paradox in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of them, but uh, especially when it comes to his love and his care for us. You know that scripture says, whoever is first in the kingdom must be the, become the last, right? I love that in, in scripture it's, it says in God's economy, we need to give and then it'll be given to us. Therefore, we need to give. If you want to lead someone, you need to become the servant of all. And so we need to be serving. If you want to save your life, you need to lose it for the sake of the gospel. Therefore, we need to lose our lives. If we surrender, then we become more than conquerors. There's all these paradoxes. Even Jesus, Jesus became poor so that we could have life and have it to the full and have it abundantly. Well, how does it work in regards to God's love? Well, his love and his care at least from our perspective, doesn't always make sense. God's ways are not our ways. And it really hit me in the story this week. In the crowd, Jesus models something really important for us to acknowledge. He doesn't just look in the crowd for those that are in the brass. And what I mean by that is those that are important. Uh, when I, uh, in my last ministry position, our staff, we would go to a sectional council or a district council or even general council, uh, different large gatherings of pastors. And uh, one of the pastors that I worked with who actually ended up 
planting the Gateway Church back in 2001, Jeff Grinnell, just a shout out to Jeff Grinnell, he used to say to me, and, it, and it, I hope I never forget this, he used to say that when he would go to events like this, he would always try to look for those that are the down and outers. He would look for someone that's off to the, off to the side and, uh, and that, didn't, that didn't get a lot of attention and tried to be a blessing to that person or to that individual. And I love that, that, that Jeff would say, look, I'm going to not look for the brass, those that are sitting up front with the executives or, or just rubbing shoulders with the right people, you know, so on and so forth. And Jesus does the exact same thing. His love, his care. Uh, on the outside, you think, okay, he's going to love those that are more influential. That's not the case. What we see here is that Jesus looks, he even stops for those that are messed up those that are overlooked, those that are the down and outers. And by the way, that's good news for me. And it works to our advantage, doesn't it? In the case of the woman, right? Jesus stops and spends time with her. He does not write her off. He is much more personable than you might think. And that's not to even mention that Jesus, by the fact that she touched him and grabbed his garment on the lower end, one of the tassels, that would have made Jesus ceremonially unclean. He could have been really upset. He could have, but his love just was displayed. It was gushing towards her. He took time with her. What, what motivated that? It was his love for this woman, a no-name woman. And that society was loved by Jesus. And in the case of Jairus, this really caught me by, by surprise. He takes the mother and the father, and then Peter, James, and John, and then himself, so just six of them, and goes into the room where this, where this little 12-year-old girl had died, lost her pulse, she wasn't breathing, and he simply speaks to the girl. He takes her by the hand, and she comes to life, and he does this not for the masses to see. He does it just for a small handful of people. He's so personable. His love was just gushing out for this family. And you say, why? What motivated that? It was his love for them. See, God is more personable than you could ever imagine, than you could ever think. His love is greater than anything we could ever imagine. And as we wrap up today, in just in a moment, we're going to switch to a Zoom call, and I want to encourage you to be thinking that way, so get, get ready to do that. But His love, oh, what great lengths the Lord goes to show us His love. The song that came to mind, and some of you will know this, is Reckless Love. It's a, it's a song where God, He just never stops pursuing us, never gives up on us because of His great love. In regards to His portion, how extravagant is His portion, the way He provides, the way He takes care of us. And, uh, and certainly, we can't miss that in this story. And then the third is in regards to his timing. Is it slow? Is there delays? Absolutely not. His timing is perfect. 
God's timing is perfect. And I love it. The song that we've been singing a lot lately is the song Waymaker, right? And there's a portion in the song that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. And the truth is God is working on your behalf and his timing may seem like you missed it or that you've been overlooked or that, that things haven't fallen into place like you planned. But listen, even though your life has been disrupted, his timing is still good. And he cares. His portion is good. His love is good. His timing is good. And in this season of disruption, church, you and I need to be reminded of these truths. And we need to put our full weight, our full trust in the Lord. And that's what we want to do today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the power in this story. Uh, the, the reality that we understand that you're, the way you see things isn't the way we do. But Lord, that's okay. And Lord, we want to put our full strength, our full uh, weight on you today. I pray that you would just speak to each and every one in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to switch to our Zoom call. But before we do, the last thing that I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. Or if you've walked away, He's calling you back. Let's remember that verse in Isaiah. Is that today is a time to seek the Lord. And in our story, both of our examples, both of the main characters, uh, Jarius and this woman, both found what they needed at the feet of Jesus. And today, you can just imagine wherever you are that you're at the feet of Jesus. Just maybe even imagine that he's on the cross and you're at his feet and you're, you're looking up and looking at the sacrifice that he made for you. And today, when you consider that, I want to encourage you to put your faith, put your trust in him. We call it being saved. And it's really as simple as admitting that you're a sinner, which we all have made mistakes. That's easy. Then you put your belief. B, A is admit. B is you believe. You believe in Jesus and who he is, that he died, that he rose again. And then the third is you confess your sin. And I want to just lead you in a prayer of confession. Would you just repeat this after me as you're sitting there? Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I admit that I'm a sinner. I also believe the story that you lived a perfect life and you died for me and that, uh, that you are the Savior of the world. And today I confess my sin to you. Please take away my sin. Clean me up, Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're making that decision right now, or if you just prayed that prayer, whether it's a prayer of rededication or for the very first time, I want to just congratulate you, and I want to encourage you again to let's slip over to this Zoom meeting. We'd love to meet you and walk with you and give you some next steps to do that. Uh, but in other, otherwise, um, we want to encourage every one of you tonight, 5 o'clock to be with us. Uh, we've got prayer and ice cream. Come on. It's going to be awesome. And then next Saturday, you can join us to help clean up the church. Uh, those are all great things that you can do next steps in your life. And uh, we just want to pray a quick prayer of benediction, and then we'll sign off. Lord, we thank you for this day. I pray now that you'd go before us, 
behind us and all around us in Jesus' name. And everyone across the airwaves all over the internet said amen and amen and amen. To God be the glory. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.